Chapter 11 of Travel Stories Retold from St. Nicholas by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 11 Where Dorothy Vernon Dwelt by Mina B. Noyes. In Rowsley, England, the quaint old Peacock Inn, with its vine-covered walls, casement windows, and rare old gardens, is the picture of peace and comfort, and it is also a perfect type of the hostelries of bygone days. If the guest can tear himself away from its ease and plenty, its stately gardens and its soothing atmosphere, the surrounding country affords many delightful walks and attractions, both historical and romantic. Following the pretty little river Wye, one soon comes to Haddon Hall, one of the best specimens of medieval domestic architecture now in existence, although it has been added to at various periods from the 11th to the 16th centuries. It was given by William the Conqueror to one of his sons, William Peveril, Scots Peveril of the Peak, and is now the property of the Duke of Rutland, a descendant of the beautiful Dorothy Vernon, whose romantic elopement with John Manners has been celebrated in drama, song, and story, and lends an especial interest to the old castle. The Vernons lived at Haddon Hall from 1195 to 1567, and among the many beautiful women of their line, the most beautiful is said to have been the self-willed Dorothy. Her youthful love dream was thwarted by her equally obstinate father, some say because of family feuds, others say on account of difference in religion. Whatever the cause, parental opposition was so strong that one night, when a grand ball was in progress in the famous ballroom of Haddon Hall, the heiress stole away through the door of the anteroom and fled in all her festive array along Dorothy's Walk, a long terrace lined with stately yews, down the long flight of steps to the lower terrace and over the little bridge to her waiting lover. He carried her away on his fleet steed to a hasty morning wedding, carefully placing many miles between the irate father and the lovely bride. Dorothy's father, Sir George Vernon, the King of the Peak, allowed his wrath to cool in time, and the happy couple returned and made their home at the hall. John Manners was a younger son of the Earl of Rutland and father of the first Duke of Rutland, whose cradle is now exhibited in the state bedroom of Haddon Hall. The great ballroom from which Miss Dorothy fled is over 100 feet long, 18 feet wide, and 15 feet high. On the south side, toward the garden, are three very large recessed windows, and on the north side is a huge fireplace with ancient fire dogs. At the east end of the room is a glass case containing a bust of Grace, Lady Manners, wife of Sir George Manners. This is said to have been made from a cast taken after death. Certainly the lady was far from beautiful, if one judges from this representation of her charms. The interior of the family chapel is in a semi-ruined state. On the right there is a stoop for holy water, about 400 years old, and just beyond it are the servant seats. In the chancel are two large high family pews, one on either side, the master and his sons occupying one, and the lady and her daughters the other. 
the stained glass window in the chapel was of great beauty but early in the nineteenth century the greater part of it was mysteriously stolen in the night and its place has been filled with fragments of colored glass taken from other windows in the kitchen may still be seen the immense fireplace the large hollowed-out block evidently used for a chopping tray a salting trough and a few other pieces of culinary apparatus in the banqueting hall is the minstrel's gallery the front of which is carved and panelled and decorated with stag's antlers and there is also a gallery along one side probably of later construction the lord and his guests sat at one end of the hall on a raised platform while the retainers sat at tables in the body of the hall the high table is a remarkable specimen of its kind and one of the most interesting relics of feudal times at the north end of the hall just inside the entrance is a kind of handcuff fastened to the wall and so arranged as to hold a man's wrist up at arm's length while liquor was poured down his sleeve the punishment meted out to every guest who did not drink all that the laws of hospitality forced upon him over the banqueting hall is the drawing-room the walls still hung with ancient tapestries there is a great deal of beautiful old tapestry in haddon hall and it all seems to be woven or worked in small pieces even the shades of colouring being done separately and then sewed together another room shown to visitors is the state bedroom with old oil paintings and gobelin tapestry designed in panels on the borders of which are medallions with subjects from aesop's fables queen elizabeth is said to have once slept in this room and in a large window recess is a dressing-table with a mirror called queen elizabeth's looking-glass the poor queen's vanity must have received a shock when she saw herself reflected there or else the glass has become defective with age in this room there is also the primitive cradle said to be that of the first duke of rutland the state bed is large and imposing draped with faded green silk velvet lined with white satin dating from the reign of henry the sixth the last person to occupy this bed was george the fourth when he was prince regent there are some smaller and less interesting rooms to which the visitor may have access all by the small windows and the rude workmanship of doors and fastenings showing great antiquity a winding staircase of uneven stone steps leads to the peveril tower the highest part of the hall and from this tower there is a beautiful view of the valley of the wye and the hills and valleys around haddon hall is not used as a residence by its owner the duke of rutland but it is kept in reasonable repair and is visited yearly by hundreds of trippers from all parts of the british isles and by tourists from all countries to be appreciated fully it should be inspected leisurely and not done in the few minutes allowed some of the personally conducted visitors one lovely summer day we saw two large wagonettes filled with tourists drive up to the hall and the procession headed by a guide walked through the rooms and back to the waiting vehicles in less than half an hour 
we learned that these people were americans who had landed at liverpool that morning and after hastily viewing this fine old mansion they were to be taken to chatsworth house the duke of devonshire's country seat a few miles away while later in the day they were due in london for additional sightseeing it is small wonder if they had little appreciation of the beauties of venerable pile or modern mansion and but the vaguest memories of them after their return home haddon hall will repay one for frequent and extended visits as new points of interest will repeatedly reward the unhurried visitor and many a pleasant hour may be spent on the terraces looking out over the charming landscape and dreaming of bygone days when the hall was a stage for the drama of life with all its elements of love and hate of comedy and tragedy of peace and war End of chapter 11